What's up, Red Rocks? Hey, help me welcome Littleton, Lakewood, Arvada, Brussels, if you're joining us online, and of course, the men and women at our Guy Behind Bars campus. Can we welcome them? We love you guys. We love you. And let me say, if you're new, like if this is the first time you step foot into one of our campuses, first, I want to say, we're so glad you're here. And um, I want you to know something. We say this almost every single week, but look, if you came here and you're perfect, you are going to be all by yourself. Because <laughs> we are just a bunch of messed up people who honestly are getting together every single week to hear from this perfect God who has a per- perfect plan for our life. And so um, if you're with us and you're, you're new, this is your first time, we're so glad that you're with us. Welcome home. We're glad you're here. Hey, um, so let me do a quick update because last week, part of the message, Sean told you about his son, Ethan. And um, I'm going to let Sean sort of tell you all of the details. But here is a picture of Ethan. He's right in the middle. And Ethan's at home. He's at home in his very own bed. That's his brother's. He just wanted to say that he loved you. Listen, um, he's still on the mend, but he's out of the hospital. He got out two days ago, and the doctors have figured out what's going on with him, and he's healing, and he's on the mend. But listen, um, Sean and Jill in particular wanted to say thank you so much for all the prayers. Um, Those of you that sent messages of support and letters to the one lady who brought the zucchini bread. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, Hey, listen, so um, is it okay if I have just a little bit of fun today? I know there's like three of you went, well, sure. Everybody else was like, I don't know. That doesn't sound nice. Okay, so so I should have said it this way. Um, My wife and I have this thing, okay? So she taught me this, and it's really been helpful. Um, This might save your marriages, what I'm about to tell you. Um, Those of you that are married, those that aren't, remember this one. Um, So she taught me this question I can ask when she asked me a question, uh, sort of like, hey, do you like this sofa that I want to buy for our house? Do you like it? The question I now know to ask, as soon as she asks a question like that is, Honey, do you want my support or my opinion? (laughs) Right? Huh? Some of you are like, oh my goodness, that is going to save us. If she says support, then I say, honey, I love that couch, right? And so what I was really asking when can I have some fun, I was saying, hey, Red Rocks, can I get your support? Can I have a little bit of fun tonight? Yes. Listen, we've been in this message called Fearless, right? And um, over the last three weeks, we've been talking about what does it look like to live fearless? And you've seen it. We've seen people in life who are fearless. And there is something about it. There's something about when someone just takes a leap of faith, like steps out, who's brave. Something in us rises up because I think we're meant to live fearless, The reason why we see someone do something fearless and it causes a stir in us is because I think, especially as followers of Jesus, that's what he intended for us. He intended for us to live fearlessly. 
I mean, listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy 1, 7. For the Spirit of God, the Spirit that God gave us, does not make us timid. He has not given us a spirit of fear. But it's given us power and love and self-discipline. And so what we've been doing in this series, like sort of pursuing fearlessness, is looking back at the life of Joshua in the Old Testament. And we pulled out one particular verse that's been our theme verse. This is kind of like the theme verse for the whole series. And it's Joshua 1.9. And it says this. This is God talking to us. Have I not commanded you? Be strong. Be courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. If you haven't listened to the last three weeks... I'd go back and listen to him. But in order for me to sort of take the next step, I want to do just a quick rewind because we're going to build on the last three weeks today. See, the first week, Sean talked about living fearless. For us to live fearless, just like Joshua, the first thing we have to do is consecrate ourselves, right? And what we mean by that is, like, give ourselves over to God. Our dreams, our ambitions, anything we have inside, we say, God... I'm going to give you everything I have. Like it's the first step of living fearless, right? We can be fearless when we consecrate ourselves to God. And then the second week that Sean taught, he talked about fearless as possible when God's word is foundational. And, and, and the, the gist of that is like when we start understanding what God says about us, who he says I am, what he says I am, what I get because of him, things start to change. We can start living fearless when we consecrate ourselves and fearless as possible when God's word is foundational. And then last week, Sean talked about we can live fearless when we know God is with us. Like when we know, no, he's there and he's with us. That fearless is possible. And there's a reason why you're going to need the last three weeks for today, because I believe with all my heart that if you're listening to my voice, your destiny depends on your fearlessness, your destiny, what you were made to be, what God thought of you when he thought you up. It depends on you being fearless, because this is what I know. For you to go take hold of all the things that God has for you, it's going to take fearlessness. Because if you're going to get to your promised land, just like Joshua, you are in for a fight. God, I pray that you would just speak to us. Speak to us and give us a spirit of boldness, of fearlessness in the next few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you've ever been in a fight, like a fist fight in your life. Now, listen, I'm not promoting violence. That's not what I'm talking about. That is it. But I've been in a, a few fist fights in my life, especially as a kid. Gotten a few of them. And there's one fight that, to this day, I, I'll always remember. Now, um, I was listening to Sean's message. I've been gone for the last two weeks. I was out of town speaking last week. And I was listening to his message, and he was describing in week one himself when he was 17. And he, he described himself as a little bit timid, you know, in, in that story that he told about, you know, his buddy coming in to fight. And I'm like, wait, who is he talking about? I met Sean when he was 19. There's never been a time in my entire life knowing him that I've ever described Sean Johnson as timid. 
He's not timid. Fearless, yes. Fighter, yes. I mean, this kid, from the time I met him, if it was an injustice, if you insulted him, he was ready to go. He was ready to throw. And so we were out at a restaurant one night, one of those um, college restaurants where they serve like the chicken wings and the hamburgers. And so there's a bunch of college kids there. And we were there with a buddy. And I had scooted off to go to the bathroom. And when I came out of the bathroom, I could see across the crowded way that there was a commotion right around our table. And guess who was in the center of it? (laughs) Timid Sean Johnson. (laughs) He was in the center of this scuffle that was happening at our table. And I watched as, as I started to catch on, so did the manager and so did everybody else, you know, the bouncers and every, they start to move them out the door and they grabbed, there was a group of 10 that Sean was in the midst of. There were 10 other dudes They grab the 10 and start pushing them out the door. And Sean, they start going out the door. They throw the 10 out. Sean goes right out after them. And I knew what was about to happen. See, I knew that Sean was about to fight all 10 guys. (laughs) So in my head, I thought, well, I got to get out the door. I got to go out there. Because um, Sean, another word that we wouldn't use to describe him is diplomatic. So I tend to be the diplomatic one. I go cruising through the bar. I'm trying to get through this restaurant, knocking over French fries. I get through the door. I throw it open. And of course, I see what I knew I was going to see. It was Sean not challenging one guy uh, one at a time to a fight, challenging all 10. Because see, what I found out when I stepped out there is one of them made a racial slur at our buddy. And Sean wasn't going to have it. So he was ready, all 10. And as soon as I opened the door, all 10 started fighting Sean Johnson. It was a 10-on-1 fist fight. Now, I'm going to slow down time a little bit because there was, a, there was this moment where I'm standing there on this cement sort of landing, watching it unfold. And, and two things occurred to me as I watched him engage in a one-against-10 fist fight. Um, the first was that... Um, I've, I had been in a fist fight before when I was a kid. I knew what it felt like to get punched in the face. <laughs> and so I thought to myself, do I really want to get punched again in the face? And the second thought came to mind as I was debating whether or not to sort of run in with Sean. The second thought was, um, this is going to cost me something, right? Like I know what pain is. I've had pain from a fist fight in the past. But so this is no joke. That day, I had I worked at this little uh, at a sorority, and so I made very little money washing dishes. I'd taken the money I had made, and I had gone to the mall, and I bought myself my very first polo button down with the real little horsey on it. It had a real horse on it. I mean. I I felt so good, and I'm standing on the stoop, and I'm looking down at my brand new shirt, and I'm looking up, and I'm looking down, and I'm thinking, if I go in there, I just spent all my money on this. They're going to rip it off my back. And, and, And then I reasoned, well, you know, two against 10, really, the odds aren't much better than one against 10. So... I could just pretend like I didn't know and go get a burger and then like, oh, you got in a fight? That stinks. (laughs) No, I knew past pain. I knew it was going to cost me, but I couldn't leave him. So I put my hands up, 
I got down and I went, all right, here we go. And I jumped in. And it was, it was a long five minutes. <laughs> and the truth is, the truth is, most of us as human beings, right, we don't really want to fight. I'm not talking about the fist fight kind of things. Most of us, honestly, if we're honest, we want to avoid all that sort of pain that comes with a fight. You know, the emotional fights, the fights with our spouse, the fights for our lives, the things that really matter. We don't really want to fight. And see, I don't think that's like a us thing, an American thing, a our generation thing. I mean, you can look back to the story we've been looking at, and I think you can see a people that Joshua was, was about to lead to their promised land who have the same dilemmas, standing on the doorstep of what God had promised them and still sort of contemplating, do I really want to fight? You know, because you have to remember, Joshua was in the Old Testament and Joshua took over leading the children of Israel after Moses had died. About two million Israelites. And see, these people knew pain from their past. And it wasn't just like a punch to the face. I mean, these people knew real pain. They lived 400 years as slaves, 400 you don't forget that anytime soon. And then the past 40 years, they'd just been wandering around in the desert as refugees. See, they knew what pain felt like. And the truth is, when you have pain inflicted on you, you don't want it anymore. Like, I don't want the pain. And not only that, like, the children of Israel, you'd say, well, what did they have to lose? Well, they really did have something to lose. They were finally free. They didn't have any land. They didn't have any home. But you know what? That's a whole lot better than going back to Egypt and being enslaved. See, they're, they're looking at what God had promised them. And they're seeing this fight that is right on the horizon. And I got to imagine, just like me and just like you, they're thinking, man, I may not have much, but I don't want to lose it. But isn't it funny how God works? You see God from all the way to Deuteronomy to that point in Joshua, he had been saying to the children of Israel, now listen, I'm giving you that land. He's saying, I'm giving it to you. It's yours. You can have it. But you're going to have to go possess it. The Bible says you're going to have to go possess it. In other words, you got to go get it. I'm going to give it to you, but you have to go get it. You're going to have to go fight for it. You know, you have a promised land. Every single one of you. Every single one of you have a Canaan. And it's your destiny. See, when God thought you up, which he did, he thought you up to do something in his name that's glorious. He has a destiny for you. He does. And it's sitting just like Canaan for many of us, like right on the other side of a doorstep, right on the other side of this thing. And yet many of us are realizing that for us to get to our destiny, it might take a fight. I love the way the Apostle Paul talks about our destiny in Ephesians 2.10 when he said, listen, you're God's masterpiece. You were created in Christ Jesus to do the good works, listen, which God prepared for you. 
See, God has given you a destiny. He has something that only you can do on this planet. And it's not just a destiny about what you can do. Jesus says it a little bit differently in John 10, 10. He said, let me also tell you what happens when you begin to have fullness of life through me. Your destiny is full life, is freedom. There will come from you of like a flow of living water from the inside of you. Your destiny is to become everything Jesus had in mind. That's true for every single person in this room and in any one of our campuses. But just like Joshua, sometimes when we hear that, we go, well, now wait a minute. Because if I'm Joshua, I'm going, hey, wait a minute. You gave us the land. You, you said we could have it. Now you're telling me I have to go get it. Which is it? Are you giving it to me or do I have to go get it? Do I get it or do I have to go fight for it? God, which is it? And God's looking back going, yes. <laughs> I thought about, okay, what's the best analogy I could think of? Um, some years ago, for whatever reason, Sean and I decided to go sailing. Such a stupid idea. But we did, and we put on the orange thing over the neck, and we had this guy that was going to teach us how to sail. Um, neither one of us are particularly good sailors. We learned along the way. But there was a few things about sailing that sort of stood out to me. And because, um, you know, the, the, the guy that was doing all of the um, sailing instructions, he had us do all this work. And, you know, I, I, I kind of got this mental picture. You know, you can go out on a sailboat and you can tie all the right knots and put up the mast and put up the sails and do all the work. And I mean, you can work your finger to the boat, bones. But if the boat, if the wind doesn't blow, the boat doesn't go. <laughs> right? Now, on the other hand, you could have gale force winds. It could just be howling, right? And if you don't go out and hoist the sail and tie the knots and work your fingers to the bone, boat doesn't go anywhere. See, God's like that wind. And we're like that sailor. Yeah, God gave them. God gave you your destiny. But you're going to have to go get it. I'll put it this way. Without Jesus, you can do nothing. But if you do nothing... It will be without Jesus. We have a destiny to go put our hands around, to attain. There is a Canaan, a promised land for every single one of you. But if we're going to get it, just like the children of Israel, we're in for a fight. If you're going to be a righteous man or woman, you're in for a fight if you're going to be the right kind of spouse and have the right kind of marriage, you are in for a fight. If you're going to be the right kind of parent, the right kind of worker, if you're going to become what Jesus had in mind, let me just let you in on this. You are in for the fight of your life. And I believe this with everything in me. You have an utterly unique mission on planet Earth. Every single one of you are called to do something glorious and grand in Jesus' name. But for you to attain it, for you to possess it, it's going to take a fight. And so I just want to talk to you about the reasons we quit fighting. Because here's my guess. This whole week I've been praying. I'm going, God, I can relate to what 
Joshua was feeling. I can feel what it feels like to sometimes feel like I just don't want to fight anymore and I don't want to go on and I feel like I'm at the end of my rope. I believe this with everything in me. There's somebody, maybe a few of us, that walked into this place or one of our campuses and you're hanging by a thread. The reason why we quit fighting the first one is because of past pain, right? You know the interesting thing about fear you know what's interesting about fear? You know you're only born with two fears. You're only born with the, the fear of falling and the fear of a loud noise. That's it. Babies, that's all they have. Every other fear is learned from some sort of experience in your past. Everything you're afraid of right now is some sort of experience. Maybe you saw it on TV. Maybe you experienced it. But all of our fears that we have now about our futures come from our past, right? And one of the biggest tricks that the enemy can play on us when it comes to fighting for our destiny is just to remind you of your past pains. Just remind you. Like, hey, remember that one thing? Remember that? That stunk, huh? Probably don't want to do that again. That's what he does. He just keeps whispering. You don't want to do that again. That, that was terrible. No, 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 no. Your past pains, that stuff, that's real. Eric, if you jump in and you start fighting for your desk, it's going to hurt. It's not going to feel good. You're going to get punched in the face, right? I think that's why the Apostle Paul, several times in his letters, writes what he wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.17, where he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, listen, you're a new creation. The old, that past pain, it's gone. It's all, It's gone. The new is here. I think Paul's trying to remind us, listen, pain is real. Look, you had some stuff. Some of us in this room had some really awful stuff happen in our pasts. But Paul's going, it doesn't have to define your future. It doesn't. Your past doesn't have to define your future because your past has nothing to do with your future. There is only one person that holds your future. And he has already given you a destiny. Now you can go and get it. Now you're going to have to fight for it. And you're going to have to move past your past. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3.13, Brothers, sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, the fullness of his cane and his promised land. But one thing I do, what does he do? He forgets what is behind and then I strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Listen, listen, in spite of your past, Jesus has a destiny for you. And don't stop fighting because of the fears from the pain in the past. You know, the second reason that I think we stop fighting for our destinies is because not just past pain, but actually some current successes. I actually think that sometimes a tiny bit of success can be the greatest enemy of you and I becoming what Jesus had in mind. Because the truth is, sometimes we get a little taste of Canaan, just a little bit of the promised land, just a tiny bit. And isn't it human nature to do everything you can to protect it? We start building walls around that little piece of Canaan. And we go, I don't want to give this up. And, and God's going, listen, I got a whole land for you filled with milk and honey. And we're going, yeah, but I have a little tiny teaspoon here. 
of milk and honey. And what, if I give that up, I may not get any more milk and honey. This is what we do. Listen, we're not alone. When Joshua was getting the people together and saying, listen, we're in for a fight for our destinies. There were three tribes that right in the first chapter said, hey, um, hey, Joshua, can we talk for a minute? He's like, yeah, what's up? Hey, look, um, we've got some Canaan here on the east side of the Jordan. It's pretty awesome. Can we just stay here and you guys can go fight? <laughs> right? Can we just have this little piece? And he's like, no. No, you can't. We're going to take all of Canaan. Now, you can come back and have your little Canaan if that's what you want. But we are going to take what God has given us. We're going to possess it. I'm telling you, I think that maybe more destinies are thwarted by a little bit of success than a whole lot of past pain. A tiny bit of success that we try to protect, that we try to guard, that we say, I don't want to take any more risks. I don't want to step out. This is enough. And let me say this, because this, this, this applies to us as a church, not just to you individually. Look, we didn't, we didn't start Red Rocks so that we could have a few campuses and then figure out how do we protect them? What can we do? Let's build a wall around our little, little place and let's become a country club. And then we can all hang out and we'll like each other and it'll be super fun, right? We didn't set out to do that. We set out to go take territory for God's kingdom. That's what we set out to do. And a bunch of you walked into this place and found Jesus and it saved your life, right? And so here's the deal. There are a bunch more of yous out there. And so we're not gonna build some sort of wall around this thing to protect it. We're gonna try to be wise, but we're gonna keep taking risks and we're gonna keep stepping out and we're gonna keep fighting fights as a church because there is a generation of people who need to know Jesus. Listen, God has a destiny for you. He does. Jeremiah 29, 11 says it pretty clearly that he knows the plans he has for you. And it's a plan to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You have a destiny. But if you are going to achieve your destiny, you are in for a fight. I know what some of you are thinking. All right. How long? How long I got to fight? You want to know how, how long Joshua fought? Now, if you, if, you read the, if you read Joshua, it's only 17 chapters, so you're tempted to believe, oh, well, you know, he got in there, sort of knocked some heads, they got it all taken care of, it was all good. It took him seven years, seven years. And when I say seven, I don't mean he was like, he went to battle and then he rested for four. It was seven years, 31 battles, 31 kings that he had to d- depose. And they weren't, it wasn't always great. Started good. Had Jericho, marched around it seven times, thing fell down. He was like, sweet. Then he went to Ai, got whooped. Look, this is what we're in for. God gave you a destiny, but you're going to have to go get it. And you are in for a fight. How is it that Joshua could keep fighting? Because see, that's where we get to. It's like, all right, okay, How? How did Joshua keep doing it? How do you fight for seven years? How do you fight 31 battles? How do you not give up? And and it, it occurred to me that Joshua was the right man for this job. If you rewind time, 
What you realize and find out is Joshua was one of 12 men that years earlier, Moses had commissioned to go into Canaan, right? And what they were supposed to do was check out all of Canaan and sort of come back and report, okay, what does it look like and can we win this fight? What does it look like and can we win this fight? And so 10 of the 12 came back and said, whoa, 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 place is pretty cool. Giants are huge. We will get killed. But there were two that said, yeah, their places, you know, the giants are huge. They really are. They're big, and it's going to be a big fight. But, dude, you ought to see the size of the grapes. They're huge. (laughs) See, you know what Joshua got right in the beginning? Is that until you can see that the blessing on the other side is bigger than the obstacle you face, you can't hang in the fight. Until you believe that the blessing on the other side is bigger than the obstacle in front of you, it's easy to give up. But once you've put your foot down and go, no, 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 the blessing on the other side, the promise of my destiny, it's greater than any battle I'll ever fight, you won't stop. Because what happens in you is you want that more than you want anything else. You want that life. You want that life with Jesus. You want life to flow out of you. You want freedom. You're done with bondage. And when you get there, you can fight seven years, 17 years, 70 years. Because you want that thing, that destiny, more than you want anything else. You, you have a destiny, I'm telling you. And your destiny, it's real. Canaan for you, your promised land, we're not talking about some ethereal place. No, 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 no. God has a plan for you. He has a mission for you. He has a calling for you. You have a destiny and you are not disqualified. I don't care what your past tells you. I don't care how much success you have. You have a destiny in Jesus. Are you going to go fight and get it? I thought this week, man, what would it look like if all of us at Red Rocks just started suiting up for battle? What would it look like if all of us just stopped worrying about past pain and trying to protect the things we have? What if we just started suiting up for a fight? What would that look like? And I thought, you know what the first step is for us? What if everybody at Red Rocks just said, you know what I'm going to do this week? I'm going to quit trying to pretend I don't, I'm not in the fight of my life. I'm going to quit trying to pretend. I'm going to name it. I'm going to call it out loud. I'm going to say what I'm fighting. What would it look like if you took your Bibles this week and instead of sort of just underlining, what if in the margin you wrote what you're fighting? What if you just wrote it? You know what it does for me, saying it out loud? I think it puts a little like, I don't know, stiffness in my spine. Like when I call it, I'm like, I'm fighting for my marriage. I'm fighting for it. I'm not giving up. I'm fighting for my marriage. And I write it down. It's like, you know why everybody likes Chad Kelly right now with the Broncos? I think he did pretty good. um, And we'll see tonight. But you know what I like about him? He's got swagger. He's got confidence, right? I think something happens to us when we start getting some confidence and we're like, I'm not, I'm tired of being scared of it. I'm tired, I'm done. I'm calling you out. You and I, we're fighting. 
Some of you need to call, pick a fight. You do, man. You need to call it and fight it. Call it out. Call it by name. And then what if, what if every one of us, after we wrote it in the margin, what if this week we just went to God's word, we cracked it open. Maybe it's in Joshua. Maybe it's somewhere in the New Testament. And we say, okay, God, show me how to fight it. You know, because oftentimes when I'm on my own head, I tell myself all the untruths about myself. Like, you can't do it. You're too weak. You've already failed. You, you, you know, you don't have good eyesight. You've lost all your hair. I don't know why hair always comes in the picture. <laughs> you can't do it. But then I open up God's word and something happens. Like, something happens every time. What if we named our battle and we said, God, this week, show me how to fight it. Show me how. I'm telling you, I just think something amazing could happen for us. And, and this is the truth. I've been praying for you incessantly, this message. No joke, like today, um, I, I had on my, because sometimes I need, you know, like some pump-up music, you know. Like, you know, you probably pump-up music when you work out. I do when I work out put the pump-up music on. My pump-up music today was um, old-school Kirk Franklin, some gospel, you know? Like, I was listening to some Hosanna, and I was walking around my office. I'm like, I'm going outside. So I step outside. It was about noon, and I start to, I'm like, I'm going to walk around the building. And I had this thought, and this is very unlike me. Like, I just don't normally have, like, this kind of thought. I thought, you know what? The very first battle that they fought, the children of Israel, was Jericho. They walked around the building seven times. You know what I'm doing? I'm going to pray that God will break down strongholds. I'm going to pray that God starts illuminating our eyes to the fight. I'm going to pray for courage. So I'm, not, I'm going to walk around this building seven times. And I'm not kidding. I start walking around the building. And the second time around, I don't know where it came from. It starts to rain. <laughs> and my initial thought was, well, is this a sign for me to stop walking? <laughs> I'll keep walking. I get to, the, and this is a pretty, our Littleton campus, it's a decent-sized walk. I get to the second lap, the third lap, and it starts raining harder, right? And I'm like, what the, what's happening? I'm walking around, I'm getting wet now, so now I'm like, well, okay, I got to get to this. I'm going to be soaking wet. I get to lap six. This is no joke. Lap six, I'm right over there in the corner, and big lightning. And for a second, I stopped and went, if I finish all seven, is this building going to fall down? <laughs> I'm going to see. <laughs> I kept walking. <laughs> hey, I'm not joking. I've been praying, God, release the strongholds of the past. Re release us from some of this current successes so we can go battle for our destinies. That we can go battle for our destinies. And here's why it matters more than anything. Because you're not just fighting for you. Your destiny of becoming what Jesus had in mind when he thought you up, it's not just so you can experience life and life to the fullest. That's certainly part of it. But it's also because somebody else outside these walls, they don't know Jesus yet. And their destiny is hinging on you fighting for yours. I'm telling you, your kids, your husband, your coworker, it is hinging on us battling, fighting. And some of us are standing on that porch and we're looking at a fight in front of us. And I know it's way easier to go inside and have a cheeseburger. 
God has a destiny on the other side of the fight. He is a blessing that's so amazing on the other side of that fight. It's there. He's promised it to you. You just have to go get it. Can everybody in this room stand at all of our campuses? Can you stand? Listen, here's what we're going to do. In the next few minutes, we're going to sing this song like an anthem, like a fight song. And for some of you, you walked in here and you don't know Jesus and you're hanging by a thread. And let me tell you, there is a future in him. This savior that went to the cross, the ultimate fight for you and gave his life so you could know him, so your sins could be forgiven. Man, I'm telling you, there's a hope and a future in that man. And then there's a bunch of you, man, you're hanging by a thread and you need to just be in a room with a bunch of other fighters who are saying, we're going to fight for our destinies. We're not going to just sort of back down and lay down because here's the reality. We have an enemy that's roaring. You notice he's not biting. You notice he's not clawing. You know what he's doing? He's telling you a bunch of garbage. It's not even true. What is he going to do to you once you know Jesus? Because if he kills me, I'm with Jesus. Ha! Huh? He can't touch you. Listen, it's time we put up our fists. It's time we stiffen our backs. And it's time we look at that fight straight in the eye and we go, dude, I'm coming for you. It might take me seven years. I'm coming for you because you're not going to keep me from my destiny. You're not going to keep me from what God had in mind. He gave it to me, so I'm going to get it. And so we're going to sing this song every single campus. And we're going to sing it like an anthem. We're going to start declaring victory because that's what God has given us through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's sing this.